Uh, this is Skip Lockwood, and you're listening to Mets Musing. I was a pitcher, a relief pitcher, a closer with the New York Mets. I have a new book out called Inside Pitch, Mets Musing. Thank you very much. This, this is, is Len and Jeff, Jeff from Baseball and Barbecue. And the one place to go for New York Mets news, past week game reviews, upcoming series previews, interviews, analysis, opinion, and, and what's going down, down on, on the farm. farm. It's Mets Musings with Gary Mack. So keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. Mets Musings with Gary Mack. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. And hello and welcome to another edition of Mets Musings, episode number 333. Hope everybody had a good week out there. Hey, the Mets are, are not playing too bad. They're three and two with a rain out since the uh, since the All Star break. They've come back and uh, uh, not doing too bad, but some bad news this week, somewhat. Uh, I guess depending on how you want to look at it, because he hasn't played in a while. But Cespedes is out for the season and maybe out for next year. But we're going to talk about all of that stuff with my very special guest this evening. He is Michael Mayer, and he is with. MetsmerizedOnline.com and MetsMiners.net. Michael, welcome to Mets Musings. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure to have you on, uh, Michael. Um, what a mess this season turned out to be, and uh, now the, of course, the latest and the greatest in the Mash Report, I guess you'd call it, is uh, the fact that uh, Cespedes is going to be out eight to ten months for a heel surgery and uh gonna have it done <laughs> well they're gonna do one uh heel and then wait two or three months and then do the other so we're talking about geez uh september october for when they the really start the clock on him getting back and eight to ten months out from that so what's what's your thoughts on that i mean this essentially is wiping out next season do for Cespedes so and they've uh, they admitted that they knew even when they traded him traded for him mm -hmm. from the Tigers that the heel issue popped up in um, his physical so I mean th this isn't something I guess maybe the seriousness of it might have blindsided the Mets but this is something they've known about for years when they traded for him and then signed him multiple times so uh it, it's kind of tough to take at this point that they let it get this far along in this season so that it's essentially wiping out next season too. Yeah. I mean, if they, if they knew about this early, I mean, when he went down in June or, or May, whenever the heck he went down, they should have had it done then and, and just wiped out this season and the early part of next year. But, uh, I mean, this is some crazy stuff here, and uh, and now Syndergaard with this hoof and mouth disease or whatever the heck he contracted there. Uh, I mean, can it get any weirder with this team? No. When when I heard that that he uh, <laughs> got hand, foot, and mouth, I was like, 
it shocked me because I have a two and a half year old and I had never knew what it was until I had a two and a half year old because it's something rampant in infants and toddlers that you get see at daycares. Yeah. It's something you have to worry about. So that when I saw that come across my phone, I'm like, wait, what, what are they talking about? <laughs> How's this happening? It's just, it's just a, a, a crazy thing. And, and, I mean, we don't hear anything about uh, Todd Frazier or Bruce. They were supposed to uh, take the next steps in their rehab this rehab this week, but haven't heard a word about them. And I don't know, have you heard anything about where Frazier and uh, Bruce are currently? Uh, Frazier is supposed to start some rehab games soon. That's that's what I've heard on him. On Bruce, I I haven't heard anything on Bruce. I mean, at at this point, you have to believe. I'd be a surprise if we saw him again this year at this point. What's, I mean, what does it do you any good to rush him? Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I don't know, you know, he had the plantar fasciitis. I don't know if that caused the other issues, but if it did, then I, I, I don't know what they do for that. I mean, um, it, it, it usually, I don't think surgery is cool for that, but I mean, let's take care of him, too, and get him set for next year. At least that'll be a big bat back in the lineup. Yeah, you, it, it's tough to imagine that the plantar fasciitis and the other issues this year have affected his bat. Because, I, I mean, I know it was a contract year, but he, he looked pretty good offensively last year, and he even looked fairly well in the outfield last year, and it's just completely different this year. He, he looked uncomfortable in every facet of the game. So you you have to imagine that he there was at no point this year that he was 100% healthy. So in a lost season, what what's the point in rushing him rushing him back? I I think you just need to get him healthy and hope that um, he he can be healthy again. I guess is the point. Yeah. With the two years left on him, I mean, you got two two years left in with Cespedes out. For next year, basically, you you need Bruce, right? Right. Uh, it's it's just. Um, <laughs> I mean, I have to laugh because otherwise, I probably just want to cry all the time. Well, I and I think I think that's the point at where most of us are. It's it's something new each day, whether it's a new injury or it's a new um, Callaway misspoke about something, or it's. <laughs> management not knowing about something it's it feels like this season has had it all i mean it even had its good stretch they were the best team in baseball for a little bit and now they're the worst team in baseball right. it's, I, I i mean disney certainly isn't going to make a movie about it but uh may, maybe someone should it's kind of mind-boggling when you think about the whole thing uh uh, just it's just been a, a crazy, crazy year, and uh, now of course we we are coming up to uh, another crazy part of the year. This week is going to be nuts, I think. Uh, as usual, the rumors are flying all over the place, and and I'm talking about the trading deadline. And the Mets already made one deal. Uh, Jerry's familia was dealt to the. Um, Oakland Athletic for a couple of minor leaguers. Um, you're you're uh, part of your expertise is in the minor league, so tell us what, what's your opinion on that deal. Uh, I mean, 
they obviously, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious a couple of things. They probably should have waited on the deal. It was 10 days before the deadline. He and Familia is one of the better relievers available. Um, and they also could have got a better return if they didn't make the Oakland Athletics of all teams um, eat the remaining of his salary. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it's it's tough to be happy about a trade when you think of those two things right there. Um, but to dive into the guys a little bit, uh, Bobby Wall, the uh, reliever they got, I, I do like him quite a bit. Um, he's coming off TOS. Same surgery that Harvey did, Harvey had, but he's he's been throwing 98, 99 this year coming off it, and he's been putting up crazy numbers in the Pacific Coast League, which is basically like playing on the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, we're talking like 68 strikeouts and 41 innings, and he's only given up, I think, 20 hits in that same span. I mean, I honestly, I have no idea why – besides being the Mets, why he didn't come straight to the major league team. He, mm-hmm. he really should have. He's, yes. he's that type of guy. He should, he should be in the major leagues right now. Um, and then the other, the other was the third base prospect of William Toffee, who there's mixed reviews on him. I've talked to a couple of people that think he still has a chance to be a major league third baseman. And I've talked to some others that think he's nothing more than a bench bat. It kind of been, depends on his power. Um, He's got he's got a good eye at the plate. He plays a solid D, and um, so yeah, it, it's power is kind of going to make or break him. I think depending on uh, what he is. Fangraphs had him as highest, their seventh, the eighth, seventh ranked prospect, and I think Pipeline had him seventeenth. So there's obviously some uh, there's some differing opinions on him. Now, is there too much emphasis? Do we put too much emphasis on power all the time? Um, I think it, it's tough because I mean, obviously, it's a it's a big deal in the game today. Um, I don't know if it's so much too much emphasis. I think maybe sometimes we emphasize it over more um, characteristics more than we should, such as making contact and um, stuff like that, um, getting on base more. Um, but I, I don't know. I think I think we're in a decent spot right now. I, I know some people think there's too much emphasis on it. I, it really, to, to me, it depends on position and stuff like that. Um, like we're talking about Toffee being a third baseman. I mean, you, your third baseman – still at that position you, you want a guy that's gonna slug around 450 so you, you do want power from that spot and then when you're talking about corner outfielders first baseman i i think there's still prototypical spots that you worry about having do they have enough power to um pl- play there every day so i'm not sure the emphasis on power is so much it i think i think there's some other things where um you got guys that just aren't collective enough at the plate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's a big problem nowadays in baseball is we see the, st- the strikeouts skyrocketing uh, throughout uh, Major League Baseball, They're breaking records on a monthly basis, and, and uh, we've seemed to have forgotten how to play the game correctly, but uh, um, that's why I ask about the, 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 uh, the power, because it seems everybody's obsessed with it, and 
you know, if you even on both sides of the ball, I mean, uh, if unless you're hitting uh, 20 home runs or throwing a baseball 100 miles an hour, they don't even want to look at you anymore. And uh, I and I think there's a lot of a lot of good pay players that could be uh, slipping away from these teams. Oh yeah, I mean, I I agree to a certain uh, certain point. I mean, there's some guys I I try as a minor league guy and following all these guys and trying to break down whether I think they're major leaguers, minor leagues, um, power comes into it. Strikeouts come into it too. But I, I, I not, I try not to put an overemphasis on that. Um, there's still guys that I like that don't have big strikeout numbers or even more so big fastballs because I mean, that's, that's what everyone's looking at is the, uh, the radar gun. It's to see what's on the fastball. You can still get strikeouts without having a big fastball. I mean, on a good year, uh, he's not doing it this year, but the last couple of years, Blevins has been a high strikeout guy without the velocity. So it's it, it's not always just about the velocity. Um, but I, I do I do hear what you're saying with the strikeouts. I mean, it, it, the numbers are going up every year. So um, at some point, you kind of wonder. Where do we get back into um, kind of that evening out, or does it not? Does it just does it keep on rising? So it'll be interesting to see the next couple of years whether in the minor leagues you start seeing um, teams trying to get more contact. And I think I think part of it is it's it's not just um, guys hitting for too much power that's leading to strikeouts. I think you're also seeing guys take more pitches. Mm-hmm. And the more pitches you see, the more you're going to strike. Look at Brandon Nimmo. He sees a ton of pitches, and he does strike out a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then you, you get yourself in a hole, and, and you have less opportunity to try to get out of it. Uh, so, um, uh, you know, I guess I'm old school. I'm a philosopher of uh, see the ball and hit the ball. <laughs> you get a good pitch within your, your zone, just go after it. But uh, I don't know. It's all changed nowadays, and I guess I'm a dinosaur when it comes to that. But you mentioned uh, MLB Pipeline before a little bit, and um, they actually upgraded the Mets farm system. Now, the Mets farm system has been pretty well uh, um, benign, uh, maligned, I should say, and uh, they actually updated it a little bit after the draft. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, yeah, like you're talking about today, it came out, their new list came out, and they had four Mets in the top ten, which, for reference, the Yankees had four guys in the top ten, too. So, it's yeah, I think it's improving, and like you said with the draft, uh, their first round, take Jared Kalinick. I I like him quite a bit. I, some have compared him to Nimmo, just, I mean, partially both center fielders, both from small cold weather schools. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a much better arm than Nimmo, and I think right now he's he's still got a little more speed than Nimmo. He's stole eight bases already and hasn't been caught. So I think I I think I, I think he's got a pretty high ceiling. He struggled in Kingsport a little bit after tearing up the GCL, but I mean, he was due for he's due to slow down a little bit. I, I think he'll be fine. He's still gonna he's still walking, so I think it's just a matter of picking him back up. But uh, 
Yeah, it's it's an improving system. I know um, some people still rail on it because there's not a ton of talent at the upper levels. Um, most of the talent is at the lower levels, but even like right now, tonight, uh, Jeff McNeil is playing in the major leagues and he could be a huge piece for the Mets mm-hmm. going forward. Mm-hmm. And that's coming up from the upper levels. And who knows if the Mets trade uh, Flores, we might see Alonzo this year too. So that's another guy from the upper levels. So I know coming into the year, they were definitely a bottom five system in Major League Baseball. But right now, I I have them much closer to probably 18th to 20, 20, 22, somewhere in that range. And it could improve if they get a, another high draft pick. And, uh, yeah, it certainly could. And you mentioned uh, Peter Alonzo. And, of course, um, for those who listen every week and – uh, Peter Alonzo was on with us last October. We interviewed him here on this show. And uh, he's had an interesting year. He's made some great strides this season. And uh, it really throws a, a, a wrench into the career of Dom Smith, if you will. Um, I, I know I try to check on some of these guys, but I have to be honest, I haven't as of lately. I've been tied up with other things and. So I don't know how Alonzo's doing. I don't know how Don Smith is doing. I don't even know if Don Smith is playing the outfield or first base. What's going on down in Vegas with those two right now, and uh, how are they both doing? Well, Smith, since being sent down, has been uh, playing uh, left field. Okay. Um, and he's not hitting. Uh, I think his OPS in AAA is now under 700, so... And we're ta- we're not uh, we're right around seven hundred, and we're not talking about again. We're talking about the PCL, which is where hitters love to hit. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's a place yeah. where Eric Eric Campbell put up a nine hundred OPS. So, <laughs> uh, um, but back onto Alonzo. Alonzo, he struggled for the first twenty games or so in AAA, pretty bad. I don't know if it was pressing or him kind of. Uh, hoping that he was the guy that was going to come to the major leagues instead of Smith. Um, whatever it was, he's gotten through that now, and he's he's been on fire the last the last week or so. He's hit three home runs in the last six games, and he's uh, he's looked much better. So I think he's finally he's finally through that kind of uh, slump that he was that he had. And uh, defensively, has he picked up his game? I know he said. Uh, that over the winter, one of the things he was working on, and and uh, I believe he went to the Arizona Fall League last year. Um, he went to he went to the uh, Instructs, the Mets Instructs, oh, okay. and right that actually that actually allowed him to work with uh, Tim Tuffle there. And when I talked to Alonzo a couple months ago, uh, he was very uh, thankful for the help that Tuffle had put in, and you could see it on the field. He's I, I still, he's still not a good defensive first baseman. He, you even might put him just a notch below um, average, but he's definitely improved. Um, he's look, he looks a little better around the bag. Um, he's moving a little better because he did get in better shape for this year too. Um, he's he's better defensively, but he's he's still the uh, the offense is his carrying skills. Right. Right. I yeah I I watched a little bit of him early in the year in Binghamton and he looked he like you said he he's not going to be a Gold Glove guy at first but 
Um, he was making the plays, you know. He, he he's a big guy, so the ball will, can hit him, and he won't feel it. And he can stop it. Um, but uh, you know, I I think at his age, though, and with his attitude, I I think he can improve. Oh, definitely, and that's I think one of the great things about him is he realized this off season that this was something that he needed to do. He he had a brutal defensive year the year before and he wasn't happy with himself and he knew he needed to go out and improve that. And that's why he went to instructs, which is very uncommon for that type of draft pick and his age. So it was good to see that. And for him to go out and not only work on it, but also to um, get himself in better shape to kind of play around the bag. It's good to see everything. I've talked to him a couple of times now. Everything I've heard from him is the kid just loves playing baseball and mm-hmm. just just wants to get better. So it's between that and the yeah, the elite um, power that he has. I think I think he's a major league bat. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And also recently, uh, a couple of days ago, or last Sunday or something, the Mets promoted uh, their top prospect. I guess he is now 19 year old shortstop Andres Jimenez. To Double A Binghamton, um, he's been exploding out of nowhere, and he's only nineteen years old. Are we going to see him soon? And where is he going to play? Yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting question once he gets even closer to the big leagues because he's a shortstop and he's he's a good shortstop. He um, and obviously Rosario is at shortstop right now for the Mets. And so, I mean, he's in double A. He's only, he's only played three games there now. So, I mean, he's not pushing anything yet. And like you said, he is only 19, but I mean, come second half next year, if he's playing really well, assumingly still in double A and Rosario still struggling defensively at shortstop, you, you got to kind of, at some point you have to try to figure out how those two, um, work with each other up the middle. Does it, do you move Rosario to second and keep him in as a short? Or I think the, cause a lot of people talk to me about it cause they, Jimenez and Rosario both played in low A around the same age, both extremely young mm-hmm. for the league when they did. Uh, I mean, Jimenez was three and a half years younger than the league average there. Um, to me, the one, one of the biggest differences that pops out to me between Jimenez and R- Rosario is polish. Jimenez is, he, he plays like he's 24 or 25 and been, has a thousand minor league games under his belt. He's extremely mature. His, he, uh, everything he does is so smooth and easy. And all the coaches I talk to just love him because he's so coachable and knowledgeable and he has great instincts and, um, just putting that all together, I think, I think he, if he hits, I think they're going to have a tough time moving him off the shortstop. I think, I think he's a major league shortstop because let's face it, Rosario, while he's been hitting better lately, and I think that he is going to hit better at the major league level. I, his defense has severely struggled there. What about moving Rosario somewhere? Now we're talking down the road, of course. But maybe moving him to third base could that be considered a possibility? They doesn't. I mean, 
Um, the third basemen are are not uh, very strong in the system. I thought David Thompson had a, had a chance, but he seemed to have been uh, sidetracked again this year with injuries and was even playing in Brooklyn, I think, for a while there at the beginning of the year on a rehab assignment. Um, is there any third base prospect in in the minors at this time? Uh, and uh, what would you know? Would uh, what would be the thought in moving Rosario perhaps to third base? No, I I think that's a good point. If if you do stick Jimenez at um, shortstop, you decide that's what you're doing there. Um, you could move Rosario to third. The Mets did expose him to some third base last year, so he has a little bit of experience there, and he is, he is a little bigger-bodied guy to play second, so third might be the best spot for him. And like you said, they don't they don't have much in the way of third base prospects. I mean, you could make an argument that Toffee that they just traded for is well, their yeah. best third base yeah. prospect in in the whole um, system, other than well, at the higher end of the system, I would have I can't forget Mark Ventos, but he's uh, the second round pick from last year by Houston Kingsport. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, Toffee's the when you're talking proximity to the majors, he's he's the top prospect at third. So. And they, they, I think they have more options at second than they do at third because you have McNeil, who I think is going to get plenty of playing time um, to finish the season to see if he can be that second base guy. So between McNeil and then you still have TJ Rivera whenever he comes back, if they keep Flores, Cicchini, Giorme, I mean, second base is definitely, there's definitely more options there than there is third. Definitely, and uh, I, I mean, they could move Flores to third and all of that, uh, but I know you've been tweeting all season about McNeil, and you must be very excited that he's now here. Yes, uh, I try not to. <laughs> I, I know it might seem like I'm beating a dead horse at some point, but it's just, I've, I've been, I've followed McNeil for a while, and even so far as two, three years ago, I thought he was a major leaguer um, as a utility guy. And he's a different player. It's He's had a crazy career path because in 2016, he that offseason, he decided that he was going to bulk up a little bit and try to hit for a little more power. And he started off good. Problem was he got hurt. Um, he had a double, double sp- sports hernia. And they also found out while they were there that he needed a hip surgery too. Hmm. So he had all of that done in a short period and missed the entire season. And then came back last year and had some issues too. And again, he still did show off some more power, but uh, this year was finally the breakout from the power wise for him. Um, so I, I think he's a legit major league hitter because he hits for power but he doesn't strike out much like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. He's only struck out, I think the last time I checked, I think he'd only struck out 42 times all year compared to 36 walks. So, I mean, that's that's pretty rare for a guy that has as much power as him. He has uh, 26 doubles and 19 homers in the minor leagues this year to only have 42 strikeouts. That's just not something you see very often. Mm-hmm. 
And let's let's hope, as you say, he's in the lineup tonight. Uh, let's hope that he can show and he gets a chance to play. He's getting a chance now at third base. Uh, I think that uh, if they move, or I should say when they move Cabrera by next week, he should get moved to second. Hopefully, Frazier will be ready to come back by then, and, and they can see what they have for next year. But um, as you said, there, there is quite a log jam. Uh, but Ch- Chichini, again, he's down with an injury, I believe. I don't know if he's back yet. Is he is he back? No, it, it's the mysterious injury of fouling a ball off his foot in, I believe it was early May, yet. He came back and did some baseball stuff, and they thought he was going to get close to go. And then he just he's been rehabbing it since. So I mean, we're talking he's he's missing almost three months now after fouling a ball off his foot, and mm-hmm. there was never any surgery or break or anything like that. So I, I mean, his his status has kind of been up in the air, which is too bad because he was swinging the bat pretty well, and he looked better this spring. His swing did he. He made some adjustments in his swing to um he had a nasty loop in it last year. Yeah, yeah. Um and he he cut down on that and he was lifting the ball a little more too, so it it's it was bad timing. I mean, really we we probably would have seen him get some run in the major leagues this year quite a bit instead of uh possibly instead of Guillaume, so it's it's all a matter of timing, it seems, and 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 being healthy is so so important. When that opportunity knocks, you got to be ready. And and uh, you know, unfortunately, we spoke about Dom Smith, and he never took advantages of advantage of the uh, opportunities when they were about. And it uh, doesn't seem like he's doing much now. But um, you uh, tweeted. A uh, little while ago, about the uh, Mets are scouting a center fielder, I believe it was from the uh, Brewers organization. Can you tell us a little bit about more? And is that uh, what you hear possibly about the Wheeler trade? Uh, for for those that don't know, uh, the Mets are talking to Milwaukee about a deal for Zach Wheeler going to the Brewers. Uh, nothing is uh, set in stone yet, but uh, um, tell us a little bit about some of the players that they might be able to get back. Uh, well, like you said, Corey Ray is the one I tweeted about earlier, center fielder. He was a first-round pick a couple years ago. Um, you might not like him. He strikes out a ton, <laughs> but he uh, – he he's got twenty he's got twenty home runs this year as a center fielder. He's got I think it's fifty four extra base hits overall as a center fielder and thirty two stolen bases. He walks at a good clip. He plays a pretty good center field. So I mean, again, getting back to what we started this conversation with with Cespedes being out. I mean, what they really need. I know they've been playing Nimmo and Conforto there, but what they really need is a center fielder. Mm-hmm. I think I think Nimmo and uh, Conforto are both what much more suited to play the corners. So um, if you can, he's raising double a right now, if you, if you can get him this year, I mean, there's an outside shot of him being playing some in the major leagues next year. Or, so I think, I think he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on if they do make a deal with the Brewers, which I think makes a ton of sense after they uh, lost Brent Suter to injury and they were looking for a starter before losing him. So I think 
and we we also know that the Brewers uh, they like Zach Wheeler. They already tried to trade for him once, right? So, so I think I think that's a good match. If the Mets do trade Wheeler, I think I think that's definitely a match because beyond Ray, they they do have a strong system. Um, they have a couple of couple of good pitching prospects um, and a third base prospect, Erzik. That's pretty good. Um, so I, I think there's a fit fit to be made there if uh, if they do trade. And one of the other things that came out today and last night a little bit too was they need a second baseman. Mm-hmm. So why not uh, Cabrera? Why not Wheeler and Cabrera? So yeah, they. I think I think that's a good match with them. It seems. Maybe they don't get traded together, or maybe both don't go there. But I, that's definitely a team to watch for either of those guys. And and why not make that kind of deal? I mean, make it int- Let's go. Let's make it fascinating. You know, let's put something together and uh, make it a big. We don't see blockbuster trades that much anymore. And uh, you know, as you say, they've been looking for a, a middle infield or second baseman for quite some time. Most of the ha- first half of this half. So, uh, you know, we got the goods here. We'll, we'll, we'll give you Wheeler and we'll give you Cabrera and, uh, <laughs> you know, um, but we don't want Carlos Gomez. <laughs> He's not even with them anymore, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, it, it does seem like a good partner for the for the Mets to make that kind of deal. Oh yeah, and I think, like I said, they have a good farm system. And if if the Mets so decide that they want some more international money, the Brewers have some of that left as well. So, how big is that nowadays? I mean, I, I know that we heard that with the familiar thing, and I've also heard people say that. That really was a lot of the deal. That's really what they wanted. The players were just a throw-in, but they wanted the international money slot. How big is that? I mean, it can be it can be huge. Uh, I I know he's struggling right now, but for example, uh, Ahmed Rosario, the Mets got him for one point seven million, one point seven five million when they signed him. So. They got a million back. That's about half of that. I mean, you can you can get a very solid prospect in the national pool for a million. Or what I've heard is they're they'd rather go out and get maybe four or five guys with that. Um, they're trusting Omar to scout these guys and mm-hmm. have them pick out a couple. For somewhat interesting is that that's exactly how he they got curious familia. He was an international free agent that they gave a hundred thousand uh, signing bonus to. So, I mean, if you, if you spend it wisely, it, it can be very, it can be very important. And like you said, with the prospects um, for a million, if they decide to go get five or six guys, then you have five or six new prospects that you hope Manaya mm-hmm. can pick out at least one or two of those guys that make an impact at some point. And didn't they sign uh, uh, one of the top international guys this year? Yes, they signed uh, a catcher and an outfielder. Uh, The catcher was uh, 2.7 mil, and the 
the outfielder uh, was, I think he was like one, I don't remember his, but it was like 1.5 or something like that. But yeah, they were both, they were both in the top 20, 25, depending on the ranking systems. So they've, they've gone out and uh, spent recently um, in the international market last year, they signed Ronnie uh, Mauricio, who's pairing up the ball in the GCL. Right. Um, he they signed him for two point one million last year, and he they skipped. They don't do it very often. They skipped uh, the whole Dominican Summer League with him and brought him straight to the states to play. And he's all he's done is hit. So he's he's certainly looked he's looked like the real deal so far. And maybe we'll see him in Brooklyn next year. Uh, so this year's draft, I know we're jumping around a little bit here, but it's coming and in, popping into my head. So <laughs> this year's draft, uh, good, bad, indifferent. Um, like you, you said, the number one pick is uh, seemingly been uh, right on target. There was some question about the number two pick, and then uh, the picks after that got some solid reviews. Um, what's your thoughts about that? Uh, after the number one pick, I, I, if I had to give it a grade, I'd probably say a C. I I don't think there's a whole lot of excitement in it. With that being said, the second, their second round pick who it, he just screams Omar Manaya. Like I, I would bet a lot of money on the fact that Manaya was behind getting Woods Richardson. Mm-hmm. Um, and because he was a two-way player in high school, um, good athlete, very good athlete. Um, and if you want to get excited, he, he already made his first pro appearance the other day, and he hit 99 miles per hour three times in a row. So. Wow. Yeah. And he, and so and this, this is, I mean, we're talking about a 18-year-old kid. So there's obviously some still mechanical things and – this was just one inning. He only threw one inning in his debut, but that's that's obviously still a pretty solid debut to go out and throw a scoreless inning and hit 99 three times. And any idea how uh, Phil Capra is doing at all? Uh, no, he's he's, uh, he's in Kingsport, and they, I don't think he's – well, they had the other catcher there, uh, Hayden Sanger, who was getting a majority of the playing time behind the plate until he got promoted to um, Brooklyn. But uh, I, he, he hasn't done anything that stood out to me. Some I, of the other pitchers from the, some of the other pitchers from the draft, uh, lefty Kevin Smith from seventh round, he's pitched really well in Brooklyn. Um, Adam Hill, their fourth rounder, he's pitched well in Brooklyn. Um, I guess Riley Gilliam, their fifth rounder, who a lot of people said, as a guy who could fly right up through the system if they wanted him to, um, he's pitched fairly well to start. Uh, I guess the problem with all those three guys, I mean, that's not their fault, but all three of those guys probably should be in full season ball already, especially Gilliam. I mean, this was a guy that Jim Callis listed as one of the top five fast movers. He could be in the major leagues quicker than most of the guys in the draft. So, the Mets, the Mets kind of stunting some of the progress of these guys by putting them in the Brooklyn where they own the team instead of putting them in full season ball mm-hmm. in Columbia. 
Uh, Justin Dunn. He has been uh, having a very good year and is moving rapidly. He started with uh, uh, St. Lucie and now is with Binghamton and has continued to have some success there. Um, how soon before we see him, and does he remain a starter or do they convert him to a relief pitcher? I think I actually got a chance to see him, and um, he was playing for Binghamton. He was playing up. Uh, in Portland, Maine, up in my area, and I got a chance to go watch him, and he pitched very well the day I saw him. Uh, fastball looked good. He was throwing a two-seam fastball that he got a lot of swings and misses on. Slider looked good, too. Um, the good thing with the slider was he was throwing that the righties, lefties, both sides of the plate. Um, right now, I, I think the one thing I see from him that he needs to improve is his changeup. Um, which will obviously help him get lefties out if he improves on that. He he didn't throw a ton of them when I saw him, and neither of um, none of the ones that I saw had good movement on it. So I think change up is something we need to look for going ahead with him. But I still think his he throws that two seamer with enough movement with the slider and the four seamer. I think right now he's still. Even without the development of his changeup, I still think he could be a back end starter. So I think it's a matter of whether the development of his changeup makes him into a frontline starter because mm-hmm. his the rest of his stuff is good enough and he's showing good enough control that uh, I think I think he's a starter long term and that's certainly not how most people saw it coming into the season. There was definitely people that wanted to push him to the bullpen already. Right. Right. And uh, they were talking about that when he first got signed and, and I, I saw him pitch in Brooklyn. Uh, and, uh, but he was, he was awesome. there. He looked very good, but he was limited to three innings all the time and coming off his, uh, college season and then being, uh, drafted by the Mets that year. But, um, Anthony K, another guy, uh, if you don't mind, um, he got off to a very good start this year. How is he uh, progressing? He's actually he's been pitching very well after his promotion to St. Lucie. He's got a ERA, I think it's one one point four two right now for St. Lucie, and he's pitched well. His surprisingly, his velocity hasn't been an issue uh, given the time that he has had off um, following Tommy John. So the velocity is there. His breaking ball is getting there. He still doesn't have great command of it yet. But again, coming back from Tom and John and missing all that time, that's, mm-hmm. that something's going to come. But I think he, he's looked good. He's another guy that that looks like a starter long-term and between him and Dunn. And then once you get into Peterson, Peterson. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Mets have another wave, maybe not the high ceiling of – Obviously, of the Thor, Syndergaard, Zellman, Lugo. Uh, maybe not, they don't have that high ceiling like that, but they, there's another wave of pitching coming that's definitely got a couple of uh, at least back-end starters in the group. Uh, certainly fascinating. And, and see, Met fans, there are there is hope. Uh, it may be down the road a little, <laughs> but... There is some hope that uh, we've got some young guys that they'll either trade to add pieces or maybe, uh, and you know, you never know. You can, 
I mean, the possibility exists to turn around a franchise rather quickly nowadays. It, it doesn't take as long as it used to through building through the miners uh, because you can trade and free agents and whatnot. So, um, you know, new general manager, who knows what they're going to do when, uh, uh, or maybe Rico anyway, but, uh, you know, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't get too excited about yeah. <laughs> thinking of outside GMs. Uh, and and that's not necessarily a good thing. But what can you? Oh no, no, it's not. Because <laughs> it could be just the same old, same old. But uh, somewhere along the line, something's got to change. It does, but I, it it's tough to be positive on that note right now. With just, I mean. We're hearing more and more about Jeff Wilpon doing basically him trying to be the general manager, and so that makes it that makes it really tough for any general manager, no matter who comes in. If it's Rico or Fitzmania, it's Riccardi. They hire Ben Sherrington, who has been rumored that the Mets like him. If it's some someone else, an up and comer like Jason McLeod. Um, it, it it's gonna be it's tough for them to do their job when someone else is trying to do it for them too. So it it's tough to be positive in that light because, like you said, the the Mets are in a rebuild and the GM is very in is in a very important spot. Whoever it ends up being right now, and that's why I'm a little nervous with this whole. You know, uh, not so much trading wheel. I mean, I don't think these guys would make a bad trade because they don't think they're going to get the job. But it just seems very odd that you would trade some of your top pieces um, and then bring in a new GM who may want to build towards pitching. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if I'm explaining myself right, but... uh, No, no, no. I I completely understand you. I mean, so basically is why trade Wheeler now with a GM that's not going to be here when you could wait till the off season and have the guy who's going to be the GM building for the future, decide what he wants to do. Right. Exactly. Unless they figure yeah. they, they, they have a replacement and maybe Corey Oswalt is the replacement. He's looked very good, uh, in his, uh, his time up here for the most part, the last couple starts looked real good last night. Um, I, you know, I you do have to make some moves, but uh, again, I, I'm, I'm glad that they decided, and I hope they keep to, to that, that they're not going to trade Degrom or Syndergaard, at least not now. Yeah, I agree. I, it's, there's just this isn't the right situation um, to do that. You, you can't have three GMs and then four if you want to include Wilpon. There's just there's no way you can make that decision without even knowing who the general manager is going to be. You, you just can't do that right now. And it, that's fine if Syndergaard comes back from his disease and pitches, <laughs> well, the re- pitches well the rest of the year, then that boosts his, boosts his value because he's missed a ton of time the last two years. Right. So Syndergaard comes back and pitches well, and then you get the new GM in place, and that's what he decides is he needs to trade a pitcher to rebuild, then... I think they're in a much better spot to do that this off season than they are right now. I I, I still had to laugh when I 
heard uh, uh, I keep calling it hand to mouth to to whatever. <laughs> I call it hoof to mouth, hoof and mouth disease, but uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> that's not the proper term. Well, Michael, I want to thank you so much for being on the show tonight, and uh, tell everybody where they can read your stuff other than Twitter. I'm right on metamorizeonline.com and uh, metsminers.net. You can catch me at both of them. I'm around quite a bit. Message me on Twitter. I'm always available there at Mike Mayer MMO. Okay, so good. And uh, uh, just stay on the line a minute. I'm going to end this show, and I hope everybody has a great week out there. And... You know, what can I say? They're, they're uh, playing a little bit better. We'll see who who we have next week. But until then, remember to keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. Let's go Mets.